Praise the Lord, Grace Church. Welcome to the friendly confines this morning. It's great to see you all. I want to challenge you just a little bit before we sing today. If you go back and read in the book of Exodus, the 37th chapter, 38, somewhere in there, you'll, you'll read about the Ark of the Covenant and, and what was done in its construction and how it was made. And there's something I'd like to point out to you about it, about those angels or the cherubs that were on top. I found it interesting that most people believe that they were there for protection of some kind. They were there to protect what was in the ark. But I found it interesting that they were facing each other. They were looking in. If they were protecting something, they would have been looking out. But they weren't. They were facing each other and down and their wings above. I wonder this morning as you stand, if you can be like those cherubs, can the presence of God capture your mind? Can it, can it capture you this morning to where you couldn't turn away if you wanted to? As your hands are lifted and your mind begins to contemplate the things of God and the presence of God is here, the temple is ready, the presence of God is emanating from this place. Can you become enraptured in what is the Holy Ghost today?
Now, all of us here today have promises that God's given us. We've got direction that we feel that God's given us. Pastor's been preaching the last few weeks about the direction God has for his church. And we can get into a place where sometimes it just seems like there is no way we're ever going to finish. There's no way we're going to see that finish line. There's no way that we can get from where we are right here to the promises that God has given us. But I want to remind you about Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, that says, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That song they just say, sang says, breakthrough is coming. By faith I see a miracle. Why? Because my God gave me a promise and he won't stop now. I'm telling you, if God started something in you, he's going to finish what he started. God didn't take us to three quarters of the way through 2020 to say that COVID-19 has, has caused him to leave the ship or caused him to forget what he started or to forget what he wants to do. God's got a plan for you and he's got a plan for you and he's got a plan for you. He's got a plan for you. He's got a plan for me and he's going to finish what he started. He's got a plan for this church. He's taking us somewhere and he's going to finish what he started in Grace Church. I wish somebody believed that today. As we go through the rest of this service, would you lift your eyes? Would you lift your faith? And would you say, God, I'm believing that everything you put down inside of me is going to come to pass. Clap your hands. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that today? God bless you. As you're seated this morning, look at somebody. Tell them you're glad to see them in church. And I do want to take this opportunity to welcome everybody to Grace Church. We're glad you're here on campus today. Would you just clap your hands? Hey, we're glad to see everybody here today. And those joining us on Facebook Live and live stream, we are so glad that you've chosen to be with us this morning. I pray that the service would be a blessing to you. I want to thank you as always for your generosity and your faithfulness in giving to the kingdom of God. As always, you can give online or through the app, through the website. And then on your way out, you can give in the lobby or what we call Grand Central. And we're happy this morning to announce that you have a brand new, I want you to notice this on the way out, brand new offering, I guess we'll call it a receptacle, a box, a place to drop your gift, a place to drop your offering. And Steve Bunch, my brother, by the way, made this. He's a craftsman. Wave your hand, Steve. You can see him back here. He's a craftsman. He made this out of wood, handmade, handcrafted. It's a, it's a work of art. It's beautiful. I want you to notice it on the way out. And while you're noticing it, just feel free to drop your gift in that box. But thank you, Brother Steve, for, for doing that, doing it so well and making it so beautiful, a great part of our church decor and, and part of the church landscape. Um, and then let me just remind you of a few things that are going on this week. Actually, a lot of things going on this week at Grace Church Campus. How many of you are excited that we're kind of getting back, the engine's starting to run a little bit around Grace Church Campus? Are you glad about that? I am. There's been a lot of activity going on over the last several days, last couple of weeks, and it's, it's really starting to, 
to go now, and uh, this week will be no exception. Monday night, tomorrow night in your home, family prayer at 714, United Family Prayer. Please be faithful to this. Don't let it slip off your radar just because, you know, now we're, we're, we've been doing this a while, and, you know, you hear us say it on Sunday. Please be faithful to United Family Prayer. It will make a difference in your home. If nothing else, it will make a difference in your home and in your family. And then prayer again Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock right here in the sanctuary. So two opportunities to pray this week. Actually, there'll be a third uh, coming on Saturday. This Wednesday night, I'm happy to announce that we will begin children's ministry again. Is anybody happy about children's ministry? Yeah, I am excited about it, bringing it back. Children's ministry, this is, is what used to be Sunday school on Sunday mornings, now on Wednesday nights. This is for ages 3 to 10. You'll be in your Sunday school class with your Sunday school teacher. So parents, make a note of this. Get your kids here give you a good chance to sit in church and enjoy the Word of God and the presence of God while your children are being taught in Sunday school, but of course on Wednesday night. So make a note of that. I know that our junior high class has been asking about when their class is going to start, ages, I guess, 11 to 13, 11 to 14. I want you guys to make a note. Your class is coming back online very shortly. Your classroom was used as a staging area for some of the remodel and the lights and the sound and all. And so as soon as all that gets cleaned up, your class is going to start again. So be, uh, stay tuned for that. It's coming soon. Be patient. You'll, uh, your class will be coming very soon if you're in the junior high group. And then I mentioned another opportunity to pray. Men, let's pray this coming Saturday at 9 o'clock over in the Alexander Center. Looking forward to that. That's always a great time together for our men to pray unified prayer. Please make a note of that. Probably be some donuts and coffee as well. So make a note of that. And then looking ahead, one last announcement. Looking ahead, I want you to make a note. October the 17th is family night outside. Awesome time in the past when we've had this. We're looking forward to it again this year from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. outside. Um, and, and just bring friends, bring family. Let, let's pack the place out. We're going to have a good time. We do need you to register online, though, so that we can prepare and know how many are coming, how many to prepare for. So make a note of that. Help us with that. You will be blessed. Are you ready to worship God? That's what we came to do, isn't it? Amen. Amen. The praise team is getting ready to lead us back into a worship set. I know we're just going to go just take a big step forward into the presence of God. Let's let our faith rise. Let's let our faith soar and see what God will do today before this service is over. Clap your hands one more time as the praise team comes to lead us in worship.
everybody in the house today, would you lift your voice? Would you lift your heart to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Hallelujah, everybody praise Him right now. Hallelujah. I'm going to have them sing that again in just a moment. But somebody said this past week that, and we all know it, we've all heard it, that we've been through a lot of things this year. You've been tried on a personal level. You've been tried on a family level. It's been hard for some economically. It's been hard for some even spiritually. Church has been kind of crazy. We all know that. We all get that. But it's occurring to me over the past several weeks and even a couple of months that through all of this, God hasn't changed. He hasn't been diminished. He's not lesser. He hasn't gotten older. The Bible said in Hebrews, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I think there's people at Grace Church has realized that it doesn't matter what goes on in the world. And it doesn't even matter how much the church is impacted. He's still the same. He's still on the throne. He's not weaker. He's not discouraged. He's not depressed. Our God is still great. God is still great. And he is greatly to be praised. Sing that again. And I want you to let your voice ring out through this building today. How great is our God. How great is our God. Come on, somebody. Let's celebrate him. Sing it.
You know what I'm feeling right now? I'm, I'm loving the lights, I'm loving the haze. You know what we just did? You didn't come to a concert today. You just put one on. We were the singers. We were the musicians. We were the worshipers. We were the praisers. And it's like, God, you just sit down for a minute and we're going to put on a concert for you because we think you're amazing. We think you're awesome. And we're going to sing and we're going to worship. We're going to celebrate. We're going to have a great time praising the Lord today. One more time, would you clap your hands to the Lord? Let's praise Him. along today in our service I've come with a message to preach and uh, we're just kind of getting started thank the Lord along with Brother Dave it's great to see everybody here today thank you so much for coming those watching live stream Facebook live thank you so much we appreciate it so very much and uh, we're glad to have Brother Donnie with us back here today and uh trying to real subtly recruit him. He's got other plans for his future, but I'm waiting for the Lord to intervene. And I'm teasing. A man of an excellent spirit. Love Brother Donnie Culpepper. And uh, they've done an amazing job with our remodel of sound and lighting. And we're so thankful for that. And uh, we're still tweaking. It'll take us a long time to get it just right. So don't anybody make a, a judgment too quick here. But we'll keep tweaking. And we're going to love Grace Church even more. When it's all done, we're glad to have Jarrell with him today. Drove in all the way from Dallas. Thank you so very much for doing that and uh, working all day yesterday. Got here about 1230, and I don't know how late they were here last night. But uh, we've appreciated so very much. Thank you so very much. And uh, just want to say quickly before we get to the Word of God, this past Friday night with our student ministry was an absolute blowout. Uh, Brother Dave reported we had over 30 kids here. Friday night. That ain't too bad for COVID. Thank the Lord. And uh, I'm telling you, God's not done with his church. Well, you can have whatever attitude you want, but God's still God. He's still great, and he's going to have his way with somebody. And I hope that's me. Amen. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. To all of our guests here today, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Thank you for coming to worship the Lord with us. Let's turn to the word of the Lord today, 2 Samuel chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. And uh, if you have your Bibles, feel free to turn in your Bible. Uh, again, I appreciate the worship, the praise that we can hear up here. And uh, thank you so very much for that. Amen. Again, David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose... And went with all the people that were with him from Baal of Judah to bring up thence the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gilbia, Gibeah, and Yuza and Aio, the sons of Abinadab, drave the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was at Gibeah, accompanying the ark of God. And Aio went before the ark, 
And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments, made of fir wood, even on harps, and on psalteries, and on timbrels, and on carnets, and on cymbals. They threw themselves a celebration. Skipping down to verse 9. And David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How shall the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him into the city of David. But David carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. And it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertaineth unto him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. I want you to notice verses 9 through 12. Verse 9 starts that David was afraid of the Lord that day. Verse, or verse 9, rather. Verse 12 concludes that David was filled with gladness. I want to preach to you for a little while today about turning calamity into celebration. Turning calamity into celebration. Would you say thank the Lord for the word? Thank you for that. God bless you. Thank you and your patience and standing. You may be seated. One man said, people of our time are losing the power of celebration. Instead of celebrating, we seek to be amused or entertained. To be entertained is a passive state. It is to receive pleasure afforded by an amusing act or spectacle. But celebration, on the other hand, is an active state. To be entertained is a passive state. To be to celebrate is an active state, an act of expressing reverence or appreciation. Alec Week said, the most beautiful things are not associated with money. They are memories and moments. If you don't celebrate those, they can pass you by. I totally concur with the statements of these people that I've just quoted. I believe it's time, it's past time. I requested that the praise team sing How Great Is Our God Today, and I thank you for that. But we need to be reminded that as gloomy and depressing and all of that as it's been over the past months, we still have something to celebrate. I think it was Brother Tenney that said, God is large and he's still in charge. We still have something to celebrate. Our text that we just read is probably one of the most intriguing stories in the Bible. If you look at the Merriam-Webster Webster to help us understand the nature of enthusiasm with which David danced that day, we find that enthusiasm is sometimes defined as religious fanaticism. Enthusiasm is a strong excitement of feeling. And to be enthusiastic means to be a person who is passionately attached to a cause, to an object or pursuit or 
one who tends to become passionately absorbed in an interest. You might be wondering why the word enthusiasm would initially be linked with things in religious nature. It comes from the English equivalent in theos, uh, which means in God. It's literally what enthusiasm means. It means in God. It's derived from the Greek word enthusia, which comes from the word entheos. So when we say we feel enthused or when we feel enthusiasm, it literally means that we feel like we are in God or we have God on the inside of us. So people whose enthusiasm is expressed with great zeal tend toward behavior we think of as fanatical. A fanatical person is actually an enthusiastic devotee whose behavior is marked by excessive enthusiasm. So how many among us today are feeling so entheos that your behavior is marked by an excessive enthusiasm? This is the right response to that question. Amen. Thank the Lord. So listen very carefully. My suspicion is that there are some of us who are wired to be enthusiastic and others of us who are not. So there's some people that have the ability to be excited about something all the time. And then there's other people who never get excited about anything, anytime. Enthusiasm is a predisposition for some people and for those folks seemingly, there is nothing that does not interest or excite them. Others of us can be enthused if there's a reason to be enthused. We can actually have an excessive enthusiastic behavior on occasions that warrant it. I'll give you an example. I'm not, I don't get real excited about every little thing. Most of you may have figured that out if you've been here for a while. But I made a, a, a point to get on YouTube this past week and watch probably 30 minutes of YouTube clips, the compilation things of somebody's kids that are married. They come over and they're looking at their parents and they make the announcement that we're expecting our first baby, which would be their first grandbaby. That happened to us twice. I wish it could happen more but it looks like it's going to stop with two. <clears throat> is what it is. But even when Casey said that night, and I mentioned it the other night, that Chris and I are going to have a baby. We were, they were expecting Noah. We stood in the living room, and I looked at that little black and white picture of that little something about that big, and I stood there forever trying to figure out why I didn't know what I was looking at. You think the Bible's hard to understand? Look at one of them little pictures of a sonogram thing. 
makes no sense to me. But they told me that was my future grandbaby. We didn't know if it was a boy or a girl yet. It didn't matter. She was having a baby, and it was going to be our grandchild. And I didn't understand that picture. But I sat around, I stood around in our living room, and I felt like I was the biggest idiot on the planet. And if you would have been there, you would have thought Sister Murphy was acting like a bigger fool than I was. We were celebrating a promise. All we had was a little black and white snapshot. Anybody feeling me right now? I believe God has broken off the heavens in the past couple of months and given us a little snapshot of what's coming to the church, to the body of believers, to those that still trust him, to those that still love him. And I'm here this morning to celebrate what I'm seeing. I'm excited. I'm enthused. I'm thrilled that God has shown up in fine fashion and he's still manifesting his power. Everybody clap your hands and shout, yeah! Hallelujah! Now, I don't think David was enthusiastic about everything all the time either. I believe when you read the story of his life, there were things he could have celebrated, but he didn't. However, I do believe that David can serve as a model for us in recognizing the goodness of God, and then celebrating those occasions. I want to say that again. David can be a model for us when it comes time to recognize the goodness of God. And when you recognize it, buddy, you celebrate. You don't sit staring like brook trout, but you stand to your feet, you clap your hand, you raise your hand, you run, you dance, whatever you feel like doing, but you celebrate the moment you recognize the goodness of God. Come on, Grace Church. God ain't dead. So in other words... Everyone who looks for the goodness of God will be enthusiastic in his or her response to that goodness. I feel like I'm preaching to the first church of the frigid air here this morning, but you're going to warm up with me before this is over with. Amen. I'm seeing the goodness of God. Maybe some of you needed to be here on those Sundays when we had about 12 people all sitting back there in the corner so pastor could have 11 body to look at instead of just a camera those eight Sundays in a row. Buddy, I'm celebrating here today. We got people in the house and they're alive and breathing. We're not doing like the NFL. We don't have mannequins and cardboard cutouts sitting in the chairs today. We've got living, moving, breathing people. And the Bible said, let everything that hath breath why don't four or five get to your feet today and celebrate when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me. My soul cries out, hallelujah. My, my, my. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Thank you. You may be seated. Some occasions compel us to celebrate. Sometimes God's goodness makes us cut loose. Is anybody familiar with that term? 
Sometimes God's goodness causes us to break through in celebration. Kind of what I've been feeling here over the past few Sundays. I feel the presence of the Lord in the house today. I do. I feel the Holy Ghost here today. Hallelujah. So in our scripture text, David and all the people of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with all their might. They were singing songs and playing all kind of musical instruments. In a similar way, that's what you and I were doing here at Grace Church about six months ago. The ark of God, or the ark of the covenant, began in Exodus 25 with instructions God gave to Moses for its making. Specific instructions were given for its size and design. They were to place the tablets of stone inscribed with the terms of the covenant inside the ark. Brother Brian even described some of that here this morning. God told Moses that the ark was the place that God would meet with him. And the ark was the place God would give his people direction. The ark of God represented the presence of the power, the protection, the blessing of God. And it was to be carried. And it was to be carried. The ark of God didn't come loaded with power windows, cruise control, tilt wheel, power seats, leather, intermittent wipers, speed sensing wipers. It was an old Model T. You didn't put it on an ox cart. You carried it. You see them two poles down each side of the cabinet of that thing? It took four men, four corners, representing the world, to carry it up over their shoulders. It was to be carried. The ark still exists today, believe it or not. I personally believe that the ark of God that Moses had made is still existent in existence today, and the Jews have it hidden, waiting on their Messiah to return, and they're going to drag it back out. But there was a time when the ark of God was lost out of the possession of the people of God. The story unfolds in 1 Samuel chapters 4 through 7. The Philistine army captured the ark from the Israelite army and took it home where they displayed it in the temple of Dagon, which was an idol, a fish-looking thing that the Philistines worshipped. However, God wasn't pleased with the arrangement and afflicted the Philistine people with tumors, so they insisted that the ark be returned to the Israelites. I'm having a hard time just staying with my notes right now. I want to preach the bad. I'll, I'll get there. The ark was placed on a new cart drawn by two oxen, which delivered the ark to the Israelite territory. And finally, the oxen just stopped in a field. And when they found the ark, the men of the community, they were apparently overcome with curiosity, and they were struck dead when they opened the ark to see what was inside. So it was taken to the hillside of a home of a man named Abinadab where it remained there for 20 years 
the people of God were okay with not having the presence of God where it belonged for 20 years. So during that 20-year period, the people of Israel felt that God had somehow abandoned them. This is kind of how it was at Grace Church some 27 years ago when we were in Baker. In 1993, the building had flooded, had 13 inches of water. The building was in a horrible state of disrepair. The church was without a pastor, and the people in the community thought the church had closed. A few months later, that pastor that had left was murdered. It was a very dark time for Grace Church that was then the first United Pentecostal Church of Baker. They named churches back then in paragraphs. But it was a very dark time. And Cassie Crochet and others, I'm glad you stayed with it. I'm glad you didn't leave. I'm supremely thankful for the handful of people that stayed. And because of them, here we are today. God brought the church back from calamity to celebration. Does anybody see that picture? Twelve people have turned in over 200 people. Actually, over 300 people. God took this church from a state of disrepair and calamity and brought it to a place of rejoicing and celebration. I'm glad I stayed. I'm glad I'm here right now. And when you ask me why I'm excited, I've got a long list of reasons. God has been good to us. God has been good to us. Hallelujah. So 20 years later, after David had established his reign as king and designated Jerusalem as a city of David, he decided to bring the Ark of Covenant back home. This is the occasion of returning the Ark of God to the city of Jerusalem where it would rest as a symbol of the real presence and power of God in their midst. So that compels David and all the people of Israel to celebrate before the Lord with all their might. The presence of God is coming back to Jerusalem. I don't know that we can quite relate to that experience. Though there are times when we do gather to celebrate the goodness of God. Hopefully our gathering together on campus for the past several weeks is an occasion for celebrating the goodness of God. I don't know about you, but this has been amazing to me. How all of you folks that were here in March, you've all come back. Everybody's come back. This is an amazing thing to me. It's like the children of Israel being regathered back home after 2,000 years. It hadn't been that long for us, but that's kind of like what it feels like. So hopefully we're celebrating today being back on campus. The 13 people that were baptized this year. Somebody told me this week we have somebody else that wants to be baptized. But that's a reason to celebrate. We've had a number of people that's prayed through the Holy Ghost. That's a reason to celebrate. Our church. Amen.
through all of the debacle of this year, Grace Church was still able to give $20,500 to Cheese for Christ. That's worth celebrating right there. Yeah, that's worth celebrating right there. Mm -hmm. It's worth celebrating. There's a lot of missionaries around the world that's fought the same pandemic we have. And we're going to put a few dollars in their pocket so they can get back in their pulpit and start reaching and preaching and telling people, about oh God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. Let's praise the Lord again. Hallelujah. So David in his excitement. Place that cart, or place that ark on a cart. Somebody wasn't paying attention to details. That's why we pay attention to detail around here. We do our best to pay attention to details. It was placed on a cart and was being pulled by oxen for the eight-mile trip from Bela to Jerusalem. And at some point on the journey, in the midst of all that celebration, in the midst of all of that jubilant environment they were in, an ox stumbled, and one of the men helping transport the ark just reached up to steady it and was struck dead. In the middle of their celebration, calamity broadsided them. If you will, calamity hit them upside the head like a two-by-four. They weren't prepared. Brother Donnie, they didn't have plan B either. They only had one thing on their mind, and that's to get the presence of God back where it belonged. Their intentions was right. Their heart was right, but they overlooked a detail. The Bible indicates in one translation that the anger of the Lord blazed out in anger against Uzzah for reaching out and touching the ark. They were commanded, do not, Touch the ark. And somebody overlooked that detail. So here in the midst of all the revelry and excitement about the goodness and greatness of God, God's anger blazed out and killed a man who was trying to do a good thing. You listen to pastor this morning. Everybody listen. Unfortunately, not everything feels like the goodness of God. Sometimes God does things or allows things that makes us angry, fearful, and frustrated. The ox stumbled and Yuza put out his hand to steady the ark of God. Then the Lord's anger blazed out against Yuza for doing this. And God struck him dead beside the ark of God. David was angry because... The Lord's anger had blazed out against Yuza. So here in the middle of a huge celebration of the goodness of God, an ox stumbles. And to keep the ark from falling onto the ground, a good man reaches up to steady it. And God blazes out in anger at the well-meaning transporter who was just trying to prevent a disaster. Most of us, along with those at the scene, would think that God was being just a little harsh on this one. David didn't think that God was being a little harsh. He thought God was a lot harsh. He was angry at God for the severity of his anger. David was angry at God for being angry. 
over the past six months or so, I have been somewhat frustrated and in all due respect somewhat angry at times for the things that God has seemingly allowed to happen. I don't know that any of these things were actually instances when God blazed out in anger. But nonetheless, the fact that God would allow such things is perplexing and certainly frustrating. In the case of Yuza and the ark, it is particularly confusing when a good God goes off in anger over what seems to be a rather innocent reaction over something that any of us would have done had we been in Yuza's place. Theologians remind us that the ark was meant to be carried by the poles inserted through the rings on the either side of the cabinet and that it was never, was never intended to be transported on an ark. We have never had any intentions here at Grace Church in making God convenient. When Jesus said to bear a cross, he didn't mean the one that came with a leather interior as I just demonstrated. He didn't want it covered in foam and velvet. So the ark should have never been on the wagon in the first place. And everyone that knew that, no one, absolutely no one, was to touch the ark. And anyone who did would die. So what happened was a natural consequence. It was a natural consequence of disobeying God. It seems sometimes, listen, it seems sometimes that we just can't make God behave in our mold. I'm going to reference the lights and all that again. Y'all know the reason I'm doing it. I don't know what your reason is, if you like all this, but you know mine. I've made it perfectly clear. But for some... This don't fit your God mold. You don't even see God in it. But I've noticed with all of us being back on campus, there's a celebratory spirit in us, and we're happy to be here. So we're just trying to create an environment where you can celebrate even more. It's just creating an atmosphere to create. And I meant what I said earlier this morning. Is you're, you, you're not coming to watch a concert up here with all this stuff. You are the concert that God is attending. You're the entertainer. You're the singer. We have an audience of one here this morning. And his name is Jesus. I wish somebody could get that here today. I wish somebody could get that here today. I got to hurry. I got to hurry. So it seems that sometimes we cannot make God behave. It seems that we cannot tame God. It seems that God being God will seemingly do all these random things that he wants to do. He just allows stuff to happen and we can't stop it. I'm thinking of the night when our sweet sister Delisa Cox was, uh, she was dying in all due respect. Brother Tenney and other district officials called a a meeting, Brother Cox, and they prayed in the Conqueror's Hall all night long. I understand there were three or 400 people there and they prayed all night long for her not to die. Just can't make God do what we want him to do. It's frustrating. It's disappointing. 
David was now afraid of the Lord and asked, How in the world can I bring the ark of God back into my care? So David was afraid. So David decided not to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David. David's response to a frightening God was to park the ark and leave it rather than risk another outbreak of God's anger. You listen to pastor preach today. It seems that there are two emotional swings in our story. The unwon is the unrestrained joy and celebration over the goodness of God. The other is unrestrained fear over the anger of God. I think it's interesting to observe how our basic understanding of the nature of God works itself out in the way we practice our faith. Those who have a loving and gracious God are given to joy and celebration while those with an angry and judging God are given to fear and restraint. The celebrators cannot understand or appreciate the restraint of the restrained and the restrained cannot understand or appreciate the abandon of those who are celebrating. In other words, there's people here today that see the goodness of God and there's other people here today that seen God seemingly angry and you're terrified. And we can't understand each other and how we respond to that. Notice the screen. But David found that celebration and fear with regard to God are not either or options. Balance in worship is the weaving together of reverence and celebration. The Bible tells us that there are three, after three months, it became known that the family where the ark had been stored was experienced God's blessing. So David decided to complete the task of bringing the ark of God to Jerusalem, but this time he did it different. God didn't change. Listen to me. God didn't change. The ark didn't change. But the way David handled it did. And I believe that's where we are right now. This time, we're not looking for God with power windows and door locks. We're going to carry it. We're putting God back where he belongs. I'm not saying anybody did things wrong with this COVID thing, but we're seeing a little bit of a different God than we did when all this first started. So I want you to notice how excessive David got. In that eight-mile journey, every six steps, they stopped while David sacrificed an ox and a fattened calf to God as an expression of reverence. So he still reverenced God. Do y'all get that? They went six paces, one, two, three, four, five, six, and stopped. And David slaughtered and sacrificed an ox and a fatted calf. And then they, in that solemn moment of sacrifice. But then when the ark started moving again, he went ballistic, danced with all of his might. You would call him a lunatic. I don't. I call him enthusiastic. I call him fanatical. He realized how God works now. We're going to carry the ark the way God wants it carried, and we're going to be excessive in our celebration. 
So what that simply means is when it's time to sacrifice, you sacrifice all you got. But then when it's time to worship, you worship with all you've got. That's what it means. And folks, it's time to worship. It's time to celebrate. Oh, God. Sit down. I've got seven minutes. In this way, David managed to both celebrate the goodness of God and reverence the holiness of God. His reverence for God was extravagant and unrestrained. Do you not think that slaughtering an ox and a fattened calf as a sacrificial offering to God every six steps, don't you think that's just a bit excessive? Every six steps for eight miles. You're going to go through a herd of animals. You're not just giving one of your cows out there. By the time this is over, you're giving all of yours, and now you're in your neighbor's pasture. And before it's over with, you're down the street getting more of somebody else's cows and bringing them out here. I'm saying cows. You understand what I'm talking about? Excessive and sacrifice. Excessive in worship. In our culture, the music of our faith and the environment of our culture often moves us in varied ways. God speaks to one person. It happened today. Had to be the will of God. And it happened twice. God speaks to one person in the words of a hymn or praise song. And that person weeps in reverence before God. Today, when they started singing how great is our God, it was the will of God we had to sing that. Two people got down on their face before God. Right up here. Most of you probably didn't even see it. But two people just went straight down on their face before God in reverence. But then there were others here at the same time. How great is our God. We had both going on here today at the same time. So reverence and celebration are not opposing tensions. They are supporting and balancing tensions that make our worship complete David finally got it right, and we must get it right right now. God is a mighty God, and he is to be worshipped, and his goodness is to be celebrated with all of our heart. All right, landing gears out. This isn't the end of the story. Oh no, it's not the end of the story. There's an epilogue. And in that epilogue, there's a caveat. Not everyone gets enthused about celebrating the goodness of God. And then there are some critical of those who do. David and all Israel danced before the Lord. The only one, the only one who despised David and his celebrating was alone looking out her window outside the circle of dancers. As the ark of God entered the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul. I wonder if her response, if you know the story, I wonder if Michael's response had anything to do with her daddy and his nasty attitude about everything. Yeah. Her daddy 
is the one that had 70 priests killed. So when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. Later, David said to Michael, I was dancing before the Lord. One translation said, I wasn't dancing for you. I wasn't dancing for the people. I wasn't trying to entertain them. I didn't strip off my kingly raiment down to my priestly tunic and make a complete fool out of myself to impress anybody. I was doing that for God. I had an audience of one that day, and his name is Jehovah. His name is God of all gods. I don't know what to say about this other than that David's wife didn't get it. She didn't understand that David's behavior was not at all about dancing or how he danced. David's behavior was about celebrating the presence of a living God. David could not just walk casually along with that procession. He had to dance and dance he did. I've danced before the Lord on many occasions. And you don't believe it. But right now, on the inside, I'm tearing this building down. My head wants to do it. My heart's doing it. My spirit's doing it. But my body said, don't do that. You'll never make it. The last time I ran the aisles in this church... We had the all way halfway down between the seats. I did the little short lap. I didn't even go all the way to the back. Brad, I did the short lap. I got back up here and was breathing so hard I thought I was going to need CPR because somebody called 911. So I, a few times I had somebody run the aisles for me. I brought in a substitute and said, hey, would you run the aisles for me? But my heart. Y'all just don't understand. I'm not walking beside the parade today, gawking at the crowd. My spirit is dancing and shouting, looking heavenward into the eyes of a God that's merciful and a God that's good and a God that's brought us all back together again, a God that's given us another opportunity to seize our vision and march grace forward ahead, and we're going to work while it is yet day. Stand to your feet, somebody, and would you clap your hands and worship the Lord today? Michael, if you'd, if you'd just come down out of that window, if you'd get off of that judgment seat, if you'd get up there, and if you'd just stop spectating from up there, but if you'd come down and join the parade, just give this environment a chance. Just celebrate for a few minutes whether you really feel like it or not or whether you really understand it or not. If you'd just come down, Michael, and just feel what I'm feeling. 
if you just think about the story, if you can think about using how he died that day we got it all wrong, but today we're getting it all right and we're being excessive in our worship. We're being excessive in our reverence. But Michael, I'm going to praise the Lord and I really don't care what you think about it. God is good. That is why we worship with rejoicing and reverence. That is why we are both restrained and unrestrained in celebration. After all the calamity that has hit our homes, our jobs, our state, our country, and our world, there's still a God to celebrate. If you feel like that 2020 is hopeless and the future is bleak and grim. There's a celebration going on. Come down out of your window. You can walk alongside me. I'm old and out of fat and out of shape, but you can walk alongside me. I don't mean that disrespectful. We just walk together for a little while because I want you to witness the glory and might and majesty of God. There's people here today since COVID started. Back in earlier this year, you were in this altar weeping and crying and sobbing. Six months forward, the world has got a hold of your heart. You've been tempted and your spirit's gone lukewarm. Would you join the celebration again? Would you come back to God? Would you retrieve your personal Ark of Covenant and say, God, I'm determined to get it back in the place where it belongs again. I'm talking to somebody here today. It's not a time to drift away further from God, but it's time to draw in close to Him. Oh, God, I feel the Holy Ghost here today. begin to sing. Let the celebration begin. Some of you were celebrating when you walked in the door. Some started celebrating about halfway through church. But I think we're about all on board now. It's time to celebrate the goodness, the might, and majesty of God.